Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Sunday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football with the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter, at Inside Troy. We're going to answer some of your questions about the USC Trojan football team. If you have any questions or comments, this is what drives the show. we love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. You can call us or text us at 424 254 Nine one four one. So we get the text, we get the voicemail, we'll play it on the air and answer your questions. Well, let's bring in the coach and chat with him a little bit about this USC Trojan team. What's up, coach? How you doing? Well, it's another beautiful day. A little windy, but it's beautiful, and we're into the holiday season. How can it be any better than that? So get in the giving mood. Make sure you take care of your dog, too. I'm looking at my dog's picture, and I'm just uh, so excited. Uh, she sits in here and listens to the show. Before it goes out, and she gives me the nod of approval, and then Ryan, I say, send it out. Nice. Uh, that's we, we need. Uh, we need a producer, so your dog can be our producer, I guess. It's our producer, and for all of you that have dogs out there, make sure you hang a stocking for them too. Okay. Yes, I love it. Um, okay, just a little uh, house cleaning next week. Uh, Coach Harvey Hyde's going to be going up and down chimneys, so we're not going to have him on the show so don't look for one uh next sunday but we'll we'll try to answer all the questions you guys have sent in this week and talk a little bit about usc and ohio state if you have any um need to go to the cotton bowl like you want to go get down to dallas i think there's some pretty cheap hotel rooms pretty reasonable flights from what i was told my book mine a while ago you can go to southern california tickets sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 or like I said, SETickets.com. Curtis will be there. He'll help you out if you need tickets for the Cotton Bowl or any other kind of sporting event or you want to go see like Hamilton here in Los Angeles. Cool stuff you can do at SETickets.com, but they'll definitely help you out. And uh, Coach, I'm looking forward to this trip down to Dallas. Hopefully for the Trojans, it won't go like it did last year when USC went to Jerry's World and faced a really tough Alabama squad. No, I agree with you. And another thing I do want to mention, you know, this uh, Wednesday, December the 20th, is the signing period as far as it starts for 72 hours. And I want to let everybody know that Ryan will be on my midweek college football report show uh, Wednesday night. That's AM 830 at 7.30 p.m. And we will sort of recap what happened on Wednesday. So for all of you that want to catch Ryan, make sure you listen to that. That's this coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. 7.30 p.m. The show starts at 7, but 7.30 p.m. Ryan will be on and we'll talk about this year's 2018 signing class. We definitely will do that. And, uh, you know, before, so that'll happen, That you know, it's December 20th through the 22nd. So no one's exactly sure what the early signing period is going to mean. Are there going to be a handful of guys signing? Are there going to be a whole bunch? Are the group of five programs going to get a whole bunch of guys that might have switched if they waited until the regular signing day, there's a lot kind of going on. We already saw the coaching carousel 
sort of wrap up earlier than normal. And uh, a lot of people think that's because of the early signing day. Um, but for USC, Clay Helton's talked about it being very busy. So he's going to practice, flying out after practice to go visit guys, visit prospects and stuff. So it's it's a pretty big burden on the coaches, coach, and uh, just trying to get all the signing day stuff because obviously you got a huge game coming up with Ohio State. So it's uh, I think everyone's kind of learning on the fly, preparing for their bowl game, if you have a bowl game, and also, like you said, trying to get all your ducks in a row for the early signing period. You know, Ryan, you're right. and We could do a show today that could last for three hours. Believe me, there's so many different issues. The game, of course, the Cotton Bowl, what it means to both universities, recruiting going on at the same time. It, it puts the same type of pressure on us. There's so many things to talk about. That means there's so many things for them to do. And it's impossible. I mentioned it uh, when they put this through, whatever it was, a year ago. I said the people that make these rules don't understand the rules or they've never recruited before or they've never been to a bowl game to understand what coaches go through as far as with their team and what they go through through evaluation and recruiting to get it done. But they sit down and make these rules. So it's, it all comes back to the same thing. All of a sudden they say, oh, this isn't going to work. Uh, it's, uh, it's not right. Uh, uh, with all the coaching changes, and there'll be more coaching changes with assistant coaches after their bowl games, there'll be assistant coaches that will – convince a kid to come to your school and sign a letter of intent, and then all of a sudden he won't be on the staff anymore. Now, is that fair? But uh, these guys that make all these rules and put all this stuff together don't consider the whole package. They just go to Corona Del Mar, or they go to uh, Carmel-by-the-Sea, and they sit in a room, play golf for six hours, and then have a meeting. So, uh, you know, uh, it really does tr- uh, create a tremendous burden on a coaching staff at a team that's trying to prepare for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and memories for life as far as giving them the chance, not just for USC, but Ohio State's going through the same thing, too, and everybody else, as far as trying to prepare for the future, it's trying to take care of the present. So it's a very difficult situation. You're not home with your family at all, not that you ever are as a football coach, but please, guys, uh, Let's consider the whole situation, and I don't think they do that when they put these rules together. They'll change this. I think you're right. I think there will be – they got to put it in place and uh, – excuse my voice. I don't know my voice is going a little bit. Um, they put it in place, and I don't think they thought about all the ramifications. And they'll, they'll get a lot of data and feedback from coaches after this all goes through. And then I think at that point you have to kind of make a decision like, all right, this is – this is not good. Like just timing wise, prospects have to decide, like, do I want to sign or keep taking official visits, you know? Um, and right in the middle, you know, right when bowls are starting, there's, there's a lot of weird timing aspects to it. So yeah, I, I think you're right, coach. I think they're going to make some changes here at some point. They have to, it's not right for the coaches, the program, and it's not right for the prospects. And are they going to release the prospects if somebody leaves because you went there and you wanted to be coached by this coach? And, you know, a lot of people uh, got to get this right. They don't always go to a university because they love the university. A lot of cases that's true. But a lot of cases that's not true. They go there because they like a coach. They like what they do. They believe him. They want to be coached by him. And then all of a sudden he's gone because maybe not because he's fired, but maybe because he's got a better job. And he has that opportunity to move on. So 
this whole thing is a mess. And and before you put certain things into effect, you've got to look at the whole process. And, you know, just like the bowl games right now, the bowl game, there should have been in the playoffs a stipulation that said, you know, that the Rose Bowl or whatever bowl game was having or hosting the playoffs, that if a better game uh, or a more reasonable game as far as geographic location uh, was better for both, that you'd be able to switch with the bowl game that had your matchup, such as Ohio State, USC, and the Rose Bowl, Big Ten champion, Pac-12 champion. You'd switch, and Georgia and Oklahoma would go to the Cotton Bowl, which is perfect. A lot of their players are from Texas. It's closer for Oklahoma as far as their people to travel and all the people, too, from Georgia to travel, but no, they didn't think of that either. But that's something that could be huge for the Rose Bowl and for uh, the matchups. So there's a lot of things that uh, that should be thought of before it's put into place. And uh, we, like I said, we could do three hours of radio today. Yeah, well, we won't do that, especially with my voice. Um, give well, it out maybe a I bit. want to. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can leave. I'll just keep talking. Nice. <laughs> um, so let's go to our questions. We had one from Tarek. Uh, would this game, uh, would this be a game that you would hope to see more three down linemen from USC due to Ohio State being a similar running team to Notre Dame? Well, yes, absolutely. You've got to start the run uh, because they'll ball control you, and you'll never get bet the, get the football back. And you've got to keep Sam Darnold in the offense on the field. So you've got to put them in situations where Barrett has to pass the ball. Okay. So that means you've got to get them in a second and nine and a third and seven where maybe uh, they all have to throw the ball. And, again, you have that opportunity of facing then a play-action pass, and he runs the football. So you've got to be able to spy him and stop him too because he's a very uh, dangerous weapon when you consider the type of quarterback that he is. He's the second running back. He's a big kid. He's in his sixth year, basically. And he's got a lot of experience, and he's uh, trying to prove a point that he can win a big game. So, yeah, you've got to stop the running game and then hope that you can match up with their receivers, which is going to be very difficult when it comes down to the quarterback if he's on because their receivers have great team speed, and I'm not sure that the corners of USC can handle their team speed. So that means you've got to get to him, and you've got to have a little help from Ohio State hoping that he's not as hot as he can get at times when he's playing. Uh, thanks for that one, Tark. Um, John and Brea said, I have a question for the coach about player development. Coach, you always say you learn to play football by playing football. How much do things like, quote unquote, no pads November and not using all of the potential bowl practices affect player development? At the USC player, I'm sorry, all the USC players that were in the rotation went almost 10 weeks without hitting anyone in full pads. How are the young players supposed to develop their skills, improve at football, and show what they can do if they never play the game? Happy holidays to you and the entire USCfootball.com staff. Beat the Buckeyes, John and Brea. Happy holidays to you, John, Brea, and your family. Well, what we used to do is during this period of time, uh, of course, you've got to rest your starters. Uh, I understand that, and you've got to make sure they rehab up, and you can't beat them up yet. You have to be able to do some live work during the week. You have to, to be able to keep your timing, consistency, the speed of the game, and so on, whether it's for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever you have to do 
15 for Wednesday and Thursday, you've got to be able to do that with your with your number oneers. You got you got to do that. I just feel that now. You know, you can be successful a different way. USC has been successful a different way, so it's tough to be critical on that. But what we used to do is then we'd have a scout scrimmage. And what I mean, our players that didn't play, uh, the ones would observe, and it was really uh, emotional, too. The kids would get fired up and so on. We'd have them in full pads. And towards the end of practice, we'd have a scrimmage. We'd scrimmage our scout team uh, against the thirds as far as uh, players that do play and players that do uh, dress out for the games, not that all players don't dress out in some situations, but we'd scrimmage and we'd go at Now, if we didn't have enough to go 11-on-11, 11 11, then what we'd do is go 3-on-3 three three inside drill, outside drill, do different type of drills, pass rush, passing game, screens, timings, and all of the different things for a full uh, half-hour hour where these guys would be able to get better in, the, in playing football. Uh, rather, and also being working, and they would be doing our plays rather than the opponent's plays, where they'd be able to learn our terminology, learn how to line up, learn the routes, learn what's right or wrong, and we'd coach it, and we'd film it, and we'd break it down for them so that they would know and be able to get better by being on film. So there are ways to utilize your full number of days to make your players that maybe aren't playing get better. And this is what's so great about going to a bowl game is you actually have an extra spring practice. And if you don't utilize that, it's tough uh, to get better during the bowl period as far as for your younger players. We got a question from Scotty in HB. He said, and so it's kind of another defensive question. Can we apply the same defense that we used to contain Khalil Tate for the first half of the Arizona game to stop JT Barrett? It would seem that they are com- um, comparable. JT might be the better passer, but Tate might be the more dynamic runner. Thanks for all you do. I love the show. Fight on, Scotty and HB. Well, I don't know basically what the uh, the, uh, the techniques of the, of the game plan against Tate, so it's hard for me to discuss if they can use the same one in the first half. Obviously, they were very successful. They penetrated, and they stopped all plays before they got started. In the second half, uh, either by adjustments or not being ready to play or missing tackles, they, they weren't able to play as, uh, as good on defense. And they took advantage of him, and Tate made some big plays uh, in a row, and they darn near came back and beat USC. So it's hard for me to, to tell you, but I've always said this, and I'll say it again. I always would put somebody on the quarterback as like another running back, okay? Even if he hands the ball off, I'm going to hit him, Okay. Now, I'm not going to hit him illegally, but he's going to know if he cat if he gets the ball or doesn't get the ball, he's going to get hit. So it's not like he says, oh, it's there, the keep's there. No, the keep's not there because I'm going to spy him every single time he does his read. He knows that guy's waiting for me, and I'm going to give the ball to him in a hurry because he's going to hit me right away. Sometimes we used to pinch the guy. We'd hit him right in the middle of the exchange because we wanted to cause a fumble. So we'd call what we call thunder. And he'd come down right off the butt of the end man on the line of scrimmage. And if he was in the middle of the exchange, he'd work up to it and hit him right in the middle of the exchange on the read. And if he didn't give it to him, then he'd, you know, pursue to the play. And then we'd have somebody else that would be looking for the counterplay, like the linebacker. Somebody wouldn't shuffle over as fast. 
But one thing we want to know, want them to know that your quarterback's not going to keep the football. Because uh, if he does, we're going to hit him. And if he doesn't, we're going to hit him. So we're going to eliminate that play immediately. So that's the way I'd play it. And I don't know how USC will play it. But I want, I want to make sure that the, the run keep isn't going to be there for the quarterback. Yeah, I think it's important to keep that, to take that uh, weapon out of the arsenal if you if you can at all costs. Um, JL for West Covina, he says, I know you all try very hard not to criticize Coach Helton. I think we're, we can be pretty critical at times of everybody, not just uh, Coach Cole Helton. But he said, I've noticed on 247sports.com, USC is only ranked 33rd as far as the team rankings go for recruiting. I can't remember the last time we were ranked so low. Do you think we'll improve or is this going to be a trend for us? We've always been in the top 10 and most of the time in the top five. If this happens again next year, wouldn't that be reason enough to let Coach Helton go? And would you all admit that? Uh, like your show, 45-year fan, graduate season ticket holder, and longtime donor, even though they have a for- they forced us to pick up some of the cost for renovations in the Coliseum. Jail in West Covina. And I'll just chime in real quick, Coach. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't worry about what it is right now. Um, USC is a strong finisher, and they'll end up being in the top 10. Like, there's not – I don't think there's a – a big issue with that. Uh, I don't think they're going to finish 33rd, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about JL, but get your thoughts, Coach. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan. Most of these polls and services do it on the numbers. Yeah. So if you sign 25 guys, you're going to be ranked higher, but you have more points. SC doesn't have that many scholarships available this year. Uh, who's coming out? That's what determines that. How many players are coming out right now? To me, this is me and my opinion, there's only two players you should talk about coming out, and that's Jones and, and Darnold. So if all the players stay, that eliminates opportunities for new players to come in. So you got to look about how many numbers do you have available. So if you don't have a lot of numbers available, then you can't uh, be highly ranked because you'll probably only bring in 10, 12, 15 guys, whatever the numbers are there. I think it's going to be difficult, and I will be critical on this one point, I don't think you should have four scholarship kickers. And I think it was a great thing for them to do at the banquet or whenever they did it at practice where they gave McGrath and Bukovic or however you pronounce his last name uh, a scholarship. I think that's a tremendous thing to do, but you got to wait when you do that. got to wait till you get your recruits in, and then you see what you have left over. And... Uh, and then give a scholarship. But to have four kickers on scholarship? Please, guys, what are you thinking about? You're taking away two spots of potential four or five-star players, whether they're linemen or whatever, in this signing class. So, you know, I think you've got to really evaluate what's going on as far as in the redshirting situation, as Grimes and these other guys that are playing, Lewis, on just special teams and trying to utilize your numbers Otherwise, you're going to come up short, just like they're doing now. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. There's too many guys on scholarship for special teams. And I, you love giving walk-on scholarships, and those guys have balled out all year. But you made mistakes giving guys out of high school scholarships, and now you have too many, in my opinion. Um, we'll see how that kind of sorts itself out. But it's it's not a great look, in my opinion. So uh, we'll see kind of where that goes. John C. wrote in. long. It's long question, John. A couple of them. So the first one is, um, why do the coaches insist on using uh, Valus Jones instead of Stephen Carr or Sedware on those jailbreak screens and jet sweep plays 
Both running backs are much better and more explosive runners and likely equally skilled as receivers on plays where they get in motion and turn it upfield. They could also catch flare passes and or act as lead blockers on toss sweeps for Rojo. And after showing the jet sweep and or flare pass, Sam could fake the pass and throw back to Rojo on a wheel route to the other side. Coach Hyde always talks about why our offense uh, would have more diversity and uh, optionality if employed some two-back sets. And this would be a way to get a second running threat on the field more often. And a couple of examples of how we could layer in a series of plays off the same basic look. And don't get me started about using Sam a bit more as our quote-unquote second run threat on Zone Reads RPO plays. So that's his first part of the question, if you want to answer that. All right. Uh, yeah, you've heard me talk about the two-back offense. We could do that all the time. If you remember when Lindell White and Reggie Bush was there, Reggie Bush was used as a receiver a lot. Same thing could be. You know, Ronald Jones has great hands, too. You come with a two-back set, and now you have – an extra pass blocker, too. It just makes sense that a two-back offense, when you don't want to run, Sam Darnold. you got great play-action pass. You've got another receiver. Not that Jones can't be a great receiver. you got another uh, great running back. Jones can come across about uh, across the face of the, of the formation. You can give him the fly sweep, or he can uh, take the ball, or, or he can uh, continue out in the pass route. You can drop by drop drop back pass and put him out of the backfield into the seam routes and and uh, all these different type of routes you can do with your running back. To me, it just doesn't make sense why they don't use a two back set, especially when they really don't utilize their tight end. So by using a two back set, you get better pass blocking, you get more offense, you keep it simpler. And you still have a receiver in the game by utilizing your running back, your second running back or your first running back. And, and Ronald Jones, uh, who's demonstrated he's got great hands. And how about getting him in the open, open field? I mean, it really stretches the defense. So I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, I don't know why. I, maybe it's because they like to play a lot of players. But like I've always said, you know, you got to play your players and put them in the right position to win and get your right players on the field and make sure they can accomplish what your goals are. You always adjust your offense to your personnel. You don't bring in and say, this is the offense we're running, and when you don't have the personnel to run it. So when you have great running backs, uh, I would take advantage of them, because there's going to be a time you don't have great running backs. The second part of his question, uh, John said, why don't we get low on goal line and other short yardage plays? In short yardage situations, it's pretty much all about leverage, and I think everyone understands that in those situations, low man wins. So why? And so he's talking about, um, the, this is from the Colorado game, third and goal at the half-yard line for Colorado after the block punt. None of our big men even tried to get low or submarine the pile. Every one of our frontline players went high, and our nose tackle uh, was driven three to four yards back into the end zone, and Lindsey walks in for the touchdown. Pretty poor effort, in my opinion. And it calls into the question how they're being coached and whether this aspect of the game is even being covered in practice. Would appreciate your thoughts, John C. Well, I agree with you. Uh, you got to get under the offensive lineman. You got to, you know, stop him on the line of scrimmage so they can't. Uh, you got to penetrate. You got to get low. They've done it to USC, Washington State did it. Others did it to it when they tried to run the middle. And it doesn't work when you're submarine and, and, and they get no push. You got to get under them. You got to get under them. Now, if you watch Stanford play, their offensive linemen come out and get in a four-point stance. They point their head down to the ground. They bring big tackles in. 
and they try to stop your penetration and then block the guy that comes over the top to try to stop your running back with a big blocker so your back has a chance to take the middle or break it outside. But I agree with you. Uh, they don't do it on the offensive side of the football. They don't do it on the defensive side of the football. And I've seen the same plays you have when I've seen their defensive linemen get pushed completely back into the end zone. So, yes, it's a, a technique type of uh, discussion. And, uh, of course, uh, I'm sure uh, others, Pendergrass has his uh, philosophy of what's being taught. And I don't think the defensive line coach teaches anything that Clancy doesn't approve. And he watches the tapes and far more times than we see him on replays. So, uh, obviously, uh, something's not being taught properly or or. Obviously, he's not concerned. So that's the way I'd say it. We had uh, Mary from Orange County. She sent us a text. Said, while watching the USC basketball game tonight on the Pac-12 network, during one of the timeouts, they listed all of the Pac-12 teams that are going to bowl games. Who are they playing in the dates of the bowl games? I couldn't believe what I was seeing when they listed the Cotton Bowl game that USC was playing, is being uh, played on December 30th. I even asked my husband... If we were both reading it right, I then went to the Cotton Bowl website to see if the game had changed dates. It hadn't. Did anyone else notice this? Pac-12 can't even get the dates right for the SC New Year 6 bowl game. That might be the best game of all the bowl games. SC really needs to refresh, I'm sorry, research how they can minimize the damage of being in the conference or get out. Uh, Mary from the OC. And I've... I don't know if you know, Coach, but I've like uh, I've gone on John Wilner's podcast this past week and um, tweeted a bunch about USC should explore uh, going independent, and it's you know it kind of created a little bit of a firestorm. There's a lot of people that feel that way. There's a lot of people that said no, that'll never work, never going to happen. Um, but I think this might be where Mary's coming from. That there's there's a lot of kind of talk about how poorly a job the Pac-12 does, and if USC should explore going independent. Well, you know, you can talk about exploring, but that's uh, a difficult thing to do, okay? You have to stay associated with a conference. You might go independent with your football program like Notre Dame does, but their other sports are connected with the ACC. Where does your your Olympic sports go? they got to have a conference to go to. you got to be able to play teams. There's not enough people you can play games with. So talking about that, it's easy to talk about it, but it's impossible to do, okay? BYU has tried it, and it just hasn't worked to – with their conference, uh, I don't think it's worked. Their football program is independent, and their other sports are associated with the WCC. And uh, I don't know. Uh, would the USC fans uh, be willing to see their other sports in the WCC? Or the, uh, not the Mountain West Conference, but what is it, the Big West Conference? They could, do the no, Mountain, they could easily do the Mountain uh, West, I would think. Yeah, no, they, they're not going to be happy with people playing those little schools. Uh, people wouldn't even go to the games. So, you know, that, that thinking that and talking about that, yeah, that's, that's a dream. And, but the probability of that, absolutely never. So I, I think people should think about other things that are more important, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, I don't think the administration is thinking that at all. But I do think there's value in at least exploring it to... Ryan, quit stirring up these I'm people. stirring it to force it the Pac-12. It going to happen. There's no value to look at. There's, there's no plenty of value. All right, well, we'll disagree. Wait, who are you going to play on your football schedule? you got to get yourself nope. 11 games or whatever 
of non-conference games. Okay, the Pac-12 teams will play. play. Pac-12 teams will play USC still, like the Oregon States of the world and and Washington. They want to play in Los Angeles for recruiting, so they'll still play. Why don't you? Well, they want to stay in the conference then. Well, you play like do like what Notre Dame does. You play like four or five Pac-12 teams, and you get to play a whole bunch of other teams. But I think okay. just at least looking at it, the Pac-12 has just done such a horrible job. USC does not flex its muscle enough. Well, it's not it's not the Pac-12's problem. It's the president's problem. Yeah. The Pac-12 is a great uh, conference, okay? It's the people running it. The problem, it's the people that allow things like that to happen. It's the people that are in charge. The people that allow sanctions to come down on USC without fighting it. It's the people that uh, schedule the television broadcast. It's the Pac-12, the way it was put together and not being affiliated with Fox or ESPN or somebody. It's the inexperience of people, a golf guru being the commissioner of a huge Pac-12 conference. It's not the conference's problem or USC's athletic program problem. It's the people that's running it. And that's what people got to look at. Don't blame it on the kids and the programs. Blame it on the people who are in charge of it. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. You're making my point for me, Coach. Thanks. Yeah, there's all those reasons that USC should look at being independent. I'm glad we agree. Perfect. Let's move on. I'm just kidding, Coach. We, <laughs> um, we got a couple more. Tom from, in, from Illinois. I would love to hear Coach Hyde talk about USC's matchup versus UNLV next season. Oh, please. Uh, <laughs> What are you trying to do to me? Uh, first of all, I'm very loyal to UNLV and its football program and Tony Sanchez and them. I was very disappointed in the Las Vegas Bowl on the showing of Oregon yesterday. We won't we won't get into that because I've, that's another hour broadcast, okay? They were god-awful. So Well, there's reasons for bad. that. There's all reasons for that. So, you know, we could go through that if you have another hour today. But uh, UNLV is a program that is trying to get back to what it was, okay? And it was a really recognized program, not necessarily football-wise. Yeah, we had some great players, okay? We did win. But because of Jerry Tarkanian in basketball, it was known all over the world. Uh, because of the success of Jerry Tarkanian and the way he took on the NCAA, and it was a blue-collar school, everybody followed it. And fortunately, I was able to ride along with that because people knew who UNLV was at that time, and we could attract a lot of players. And I was from Southern California and uh, somewhat successful at Pasadena City College, so I had great contacts with the community college coaches and high school coaches, and we depended on Southern California for most of our players. And we were, we were pretty good. And we did beat Pac-12 schools, and we lost to some schools too. But... Uh, since that time, and when uh, Jerry Tarkany was fired, and again, the administration thinks that it's the school, and it's not really the coaches or the philosophy of the athletic department or the coaches that they play for, and absolutely, I, as you know, I was first and Tarkany was second, and we had <laughs> had won more games, far more games than I'd lost, but, you know, uh, it was uh, not the philosophy of this new president. He wanted to make it the Harvard of the West. And uh, I think Harvard's a great school, but UNLV wasn't ready to be the Harvard of the West. And the athletic programs were so emphasized, and the people were so excited about it, that you couldn't get a ticket at a basketball game, and it held 18-5, okay? You couldn't get a ticket when Tarkanian played 
And we had carried that momentum into football, which was great. But recruiting weekends and kids meeting Shark to Tark and all of that helped us a great deal. So we were fortunate to be there during a period of time with a great athletic director. And we won the, the, the conference in most sports. Yeah, but uh, we had a change at president, and, and that president that came in, Dr. Robert Maxson, uh, decided that uh, athletics wasn't that important or tried to somewhat make a change in the philosophy of it, and it's never been the same. Now, I hope it is. I really do hope it is. But, uh, uh, you know, they've struggled in basketball. They've struggled in football. They're struggling in a lot of sports, but I hope they make that return. I've got four years of my life there. I hope they make that return and they they dominate in the, the Mountain West Conference like Boise State dominated yesterday. It can be a great coaching job, and I think it is a great coaching job. I mean, uh, I was able to recruit there. I'm not going to get into that because that's another hour uh, broadcast. But uh, USC, uh, UNLV should not beat USC, okay? How can they? USC's got a better budget. They've got supposedly coaches making all the money they're making. They've got a great tradition. Uh, it's a body bag game. I call that a body bag game. When UNLV signed USC to pick up $1.3 or $1.4 million to keep their budget alive. And USC is willing to pay that to UNLV, and UNLV is more or less sacrificing their team to be able to balance their budget. And it's not right. But it's what they do today in college football because it costs so much money to have a Division I athletic program, yet people can't afford to have these type of programs. So the way they try to afford them is by scheduling these type of football games. Last year, UNLV played Ohio State, and uh, who's going to be USC's opponent. So, you know, you know, USC should dominate that football game, and Everybody would be very disappointed if they didn't. So uh, just remember the Troy-Alabama game last year, okay? And that's why uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen, but anybody can beat anybody. Troy-LSU. Troy, that wasn't Troy-Alabama-LSU, right? Yeah, Troy beat LSU. I'm yeah. sorry. That's all right. Uh, good stuff. We have one last question. Ben in the Central Valley. So uh, he wanted to talk about UNLV also. He said could be exciting and certainly could – uh, be some good exposure for the UNLV program. So we kind of discussed that already. Um, he wanted to ask for me, what's up with playing Texas again? Are we trying to make that a thing? Or did we just strike a two-game deal with UT? Yeah, it's just a just a home-and-home. Home. So that's typically what USC does. You see Alabama schedule one neutral site big game. They don't want to have to go on the road and play somebody tough. USC will go on the road and play people tough. So that's uh, that's what's going on there. And he said, overall, I'd say I'm happy with the 2018 schedule. Having a bye week in the middle of the season is a nice bonus. That's not a bonus, Ben. That should be a given, but it wasn't this year. And I'm very happy that the only Friday night Pac-12 snafu is at home. Last question. Ryan, any idea when single game tickets will be available? Perhaps from sctickets.com. I'm already looking forward to next year. Forget Christmas. This is the best time of the year. Thanks for another great year of awesome coverage. Fight on been in the central valley and i you know i'm not really good at knowing when single game tickets are released i don't know if you know anything about that coach but you could call i think there'd still be tickets available if you go to sctickets.com even for 2018 i don't know anything about tickets either but uh uh the, 
What were we talking about? He, he said he likes the 2018 schedule. What was he saying about that? Well, that they play, they're playing Texas. He want to know why they play Texas again, the home and home, but also that yeah. they have a bye week right. and then they have one. So they have one Friday night game. It's at home against. No, that's what State. it was, the Friday night game. Let me comment on that. Okay. Uh, for a minute, because that's, again, a ridiculous thing that they put together because it's part of uh, television. A Friday night game in L.A. is a little bit different than a Friday night game in Corvallis or in uh, wherever you want to say, Eugene or somewhere. A Friday night game, you got to work half day if you're going to go to the game. And I don't think it's right for season ticket holders to have to pay all that money for tickets and increase money in tickets and then be scheduled to go to a Friday night game when it's impossible to be there, plus in Southern California, because of the traffic, you can't even get home, and now you're trying to get to a game, and also the Dodgers might be playing. That's great, isn't it? That's really a great idea. And put the Clippers, Lakers, and everybody else involved in it. This is That's absolutely ridiculous. And it's come about because they feel everything should be equal, and the money should be equal, and everything, parity and all. Okay, great. But it doesn't make sense, okay? If someone else needs a national television exposure, let it be someone else in Oregon, Oregon State, uh, Pullman, wherever they want to have it. But to have it in Southern California for UCLA or USC, it's absolutely ridiculous to think that they have to do that because it's not right, first of all, for the fans and the people to pay the bill, Okay. It is not right because of the tailgating opportunities and everything that make it such a great day or evening to go to a football game. And people on Friday night aren't always available to go to football games. There's high school football, too, that people should respect because the players of tomorrow are playing on Friday night, and there's lack of respect for that. So I'm not big on Friday night football games, as you can see. Not just USC, but anybody. Yeah. And I think it's overexposure also for college football and the NFL and everything else. There's football every night now. Mid-American plays on Tuesday and Wednesday night. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? I mean, so think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Think about it. If you're a season ticket holder at USC or a person that wants to go to that game because your team is playing in the Coliseum, what do you do, take a half day off? How many people can afford to do that to start with? And to have it? In the Rose Bowl or having the Coliseum is absolutely ridiculous. It shouldn't be stood for. It should should not. That's again going back to the people that are running it. Yeah, and I think uh, especially next year with all the construction around the Coliseum and in the Coliseum, 2018 is not the time to have a Friday night game. They should have said like, you know what? It's already going to be a cluster going around USC for a Saturday game at the Coliseum with all that they're, they're building that museum. There's going to be like. A thousand parking spots less than normal. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that's going to be going on next year. Like our press box is going to be some temporary thing. Like basically anyone at USC I talked to said, yeah, next year is not going to be fun. And it's a terrible home schedule. So USC could have said something like, look, I get you want everyone playing on Friday nights. We're not doing it this year. So just figure something else out. That's where or, I'd like to see USC. they could have switched with somebody. Yeah. Saying, hey, wait till our stadium is done. Yeah, and then we'll when we'll consider it, or maybe we'll have something change, and someone else would say, "Hey, we need the television revenue, or we need the exposure." Sell the game. People sell the game to people. Do something and worry about your fans. And 
And and I think that's important. I just think that's absolutely important. The people that pay the bills are the people that go to the game and the people that watch the game and all of the above, okay? They're asking for donations for the new stadium and all of these different things. Well, think about the people for a little bit. And uh, to me, I, I think that's a no-brainer, but how do I know anything? Yeah, well, we'll As see. People are probably saying, you're right, Coach, how do you? <laughs> well, that, that's why part of the reason I've said if you th- – you got to make kind of moves like that sometimes if you're USC. You say, you know what, Larry Scott, we're not doing it this year, so just fix it. And that you need a little bit of clout and use the power of USC. And if if Larry Scott thinks, hey, they might actually leave, maybe we'll listen to him on stuff like this. Just stupid stuff like, why are you having a Friday night game at USC in 2018? That should not be happening. But that's that's you know that's where we differ in opinions. But that's why people listen. You have a different thought than I do. Um, All right. Well, that was it, Coach. That's all the questions we got. All right. Well, uh, again, uh, I want to thank everybody for being a part of our show, because without you, we don't have a show. And uh, we want to wish all of you a happy holiday. And again, I want to remind you that Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m., Ryan will be on our show talking uh, recruiting. That's AM 830 on your dial, 7.30 p.m., Ryan Abraham. And, uh, again, uh, I want to thank all of you for being a part of our show and podcast. And we won't be back next week because uh, that's uh, a holiday weekend for most people, and uh, we want to observe it. Yeah, so thanks thanks to you, Coach, and uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. And, uh, again, I apologize for my cracking voice. Hopefully I'll just go rest it now. You I like it. T- you like it? All right. Um but yeah, thanks. It was, I appreciate all the questions and stuff, and I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday. And we'll be back. we got more shows and stuff coming up this week, so it's not like we're going away. But um, we'll be back and uh, talking more USC Trojan football. We'll get to talk to Coach again after the bowl game, which should be fun to see what happens. USC versus Ohio State. All right, well, that's our show. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.